Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. It's been a big week for the University of Notre Dame football program. Head coach Brian Kelly goes from defeating Stanford 45-14 on November 27th to being named head coach of the LSU Tigers on November 30th. Since then, the Irish have hired a brand new head coach, Marcus Freeman. My name is Jay Zawoski. We'll talk about Kelly's departure, Freeman's promotion, and what it means for the Fighting Irish going forward on today's WBBM In-Depth Podcast. Our guest today on the WBBM In-Depth Podcast is Nick Shepkowski, managing editor of Fighting Irish Wire, part of the USA Today Network. He'll join us here in a moment, but before we get to Nick, I want to break down Brian Kelly's tenure at Notre Dame what he accomplished, and sort of paint a little audio timeline of what led to the Friday, December 3rd official hiring of Marcus Freeman as head coach. This season, Brian Kelly became Notre Dame's all-time winningest coach, picking up 113 wins and 40 losses. He passed Newt Rockney, who had 105 wins for the Irish. No coach has coached more games for Notre Dame than Brian Kelly with his 153, Lou Holtz 132, Newt Rockney 122, and Era Parsegian 116. Kelly uh, surpassing all of them uh, by a significant margin. Heading into the game against Stanford on November 22nd, Brian Kelly was asked, would he ever leave Notre Dame of his own volition? Here's what he had to say. No, no. I mean, look... I think Mike Tomlin had the best line, right? You know, um, unless uh, unless that uh, that fairy godmother comes by with that, you know, two hundred fifty million dollar check, I'd my wife would want to take a look at it first. <laughs> I'd have to run it by her. Fast forward one week, November twenty seventh, Notre Dame knocks off Stanford forty five fourteen to finish the season eleven and one with their college football playoff hopes shaky but hopeful. Two days later, rumors begin to circulate online that LSU is sniffing around Brian Kelly, wanting him to take the Tigers' head coaching job. Later that evening, the news breaks officially that Brian Kelly has accepted the job to be LSU's head coach. The next day, November 30th, Brian Kelly addressed the team in a very brief early morning meeting in South Bend. Morning, guys. Um, thanks for getting up here in, in short order, short notice. Um, as you know, I sent out a text last night trying to um, get 
give you as much notice as possible given the circumstances that uh, we all know uh, that happened relative to social media and information getting out. Um, and look, I know we've been through this together. Um, I've recruited virtually everybody in this room. Uh, and I want to be able to tell you face to face, um, you know, why we're at where we're at. And that is very simply that um, the past 12 years have been uh, the most incredible 12 years of my life for me and my family um, being here at Notre Dame. But there comes a time where you look in your life for another opportunity. And I felt like it was time in my life for another challenge. Wednesday, December 1st, offensive coordinator Tommy Reese, who Brian Kelly was recruiting heavily to join him at LSU, announces to the team that he'll be staying but can't share any more information about the coaching search with the players at that time. It's on Twitter, but I'm staying. Uh, and I just wanted to tell you guys that in person. And, and I love you guys. I love this place. I believe that we can win a national championship here. And I'm committed to doing everything we can to get to that point. Cool? <laughs> a groundswell of support for Marcus Freeman to be named the next head coach of the Fighting Irish begins from former players, current players, and Notre Dame fans. Then finally, on the morning of December 3rd, Marcus Freeman is officially named the head coach. Let's listen to the Notre Dame players react. Your brand new head football coach! Joining us now on the WBBM In-Depth Podcast is Nick Shepkowski, Managing Editor of the Fighting Irish Wire, part of the USA Today Network. I always want to call you Shep, but I should be more formal. Nick, thanks for joining us here on the podcast. James, Jay, thanks for the invite. I really appreciate it. Well, it's been a wild week for Notre Dame. Uh, just last week, they ended their season beating uh, Stanford 45 to 14, finishing 11 and 1, and then 2 days later, their head coach Brian Kelly is the coach of LSU. So take us through the last week or so for the Irish and uh, we'll talk about what the new head coach Marcus Freeman means going forward for the Irish. Let's actually go back to 2016 and kind of get the ball in motion of how this all came to be from there. 2016, Notre Dame is a disaster. They're in year seven of Brian Kelly's run. They start off the year, they lose to a Texas team on national TV in overtime in a shootout. Everyone thinks Texas is back. Well, no, not so much. Notre Dame just had no defense whatsoever. Partly into that year, they lose to Duke. Shout out to Patrick Manley. Um, it, they lose to Duke. They fire their defensive coordinator, Brian Van Gorder, longtime uh, Brian Kelly assistant. And from there, Notre Dame entering that offseason hires Mike Elko. Mike Elko is not around very long. He comes from Wake Forest. He gets a huge offer from Texas A&M and get, takes that job. And what you really saw was Brian Kelly, his strength, I think what his biggest strength in Notre Dame was, was his ability to hire assistant coaches. And you saw it in his run of defensive coordinators. Mike Elko goes and gets paid to be one of the highest defensive coordinators in all college football at Texas A&M immediately. They, he's knocking on the door, potentially getting jobs. From there, after he leaves, Clark Lee comes in. Clark Lee spends two years there, ups the defense statistically, takes the Vanderbilt job, and then Marcus Freeman comes in last January. Got in a bidding war, did Notre Dame with, with LSU, actually, of all teams, 
Uh, Freeman was an up and comer, was uh, was a finalist for the assistant coach of the year a year ago with Cincinnati, part of Luke Fickle's staff, and is what is incredibly important in all of this. There's few guys out there that can walk into a living room of a 15-year-old, a 16-year-old, wide-eyed kid that thinks they have the, the, the world on a string because they, they've been told how great they are. They're tremendous athletes. That's how you win in college football is getting those players to come play for you. And if you can't do that, you can only win at a certain level. And I think that Brian Kelly probably reached that at Notre Dame because he's not that kind of guy. He doesn't relate to him. You see the pictures and the odd things on social media of him trying to fit in, and it's just been faking a Southern accent like he did uh, earlier this week with LSU. It's uncomfortable. It's it's really – it's it's uncomfortable is the best way to kind of describe Marcus Freeman's a lot more genuine guy. And I you can tell by just the – the dealings with players, the dealings with people that deal with them on a regular basis, it's just a different vibe. And I think it's going to make a lot of kind of the national college football fan that sees Notre Dame and thinks, God, you can't stand the pompousness, the uppityness, whatever it might be. I think he's going to have a lot of people having a lot of different feelings and kind of questioning a lot of feelings they've had for a lot of their lives. Cause he's a, a lot different than anyone you've ever seen in this position, at least uh, since I've been watching it for 30 years or so. Yeah. So before we get into the Freeman impact, let's reflect a little bit on Brian Kelly. And, you know, I think one of the things you mentioned with him is the struggle for authenticity and Brian Kelly was sort of a different guy based on who he was talking to at a given moment. Right. And, very much an administrative type of head coach, not a player's coach by any means. We've seen him um, get physical with assistant coaches on the sideline. I remember his first year, Notre Dame had to sort of talk to him about like, hey, on the sideline, can you be a little more calm? This is Notre Dame. We can't have you screaming and MFing people on the sideline. That's not doesn't really fit the brand. His record as Notre Dame head coach cannot be denied. He has more wins than anybody in team history. It's been a really good run for Brian Kelly, but you mentioned with Freeman, as soon as Kelly announced he was leaving officially, you and I, Notre Dame fans for a long time, started speculating about who the coach is going to be, but then you immediately see the outpouring of support for Freeman from Notre Dame players on social media, and that's like, you know, college football players, they kind of, they don't want to be too, they don't want to rock the boat too much, but when you see player after player after player just chopping at the bit for Freeman to be named the guy. It was almost like AD Jack Swarbrick didn't have a choice, but it seems like such an obvious hire. And the thing that strikes me is, and you mentioned a little bit, people that traditionally hate Notre Dame are sort of feeling like, okay, I can kind of get on board with this. <laughs> you know, no, There's two kinds of people. There's people that love Notre Dame and people that hate Notre Dame. There's, there's really no in between, but we're seeing some of those people that hate Notre Dame say, okay, this is a little bit different from what they usually do. And I think you texted me earlier about this. It's kind of Notre Dame is cool again. And I'm wondering what sort of impact Freeman's going to have because Kelly was a good recruiter too, right? How, I think Freeman's going to do a really good job in the locker room or on the recruiting trail rather, bringing in the best athletes and connecting with those kids. He's only 35 years old. It's, it's nuts. Yeah. Um, I think that like the important thing in with this and when all the news came down, my first thought was like, God, Marcus Freeman, there's a lot of potential there, but there's risk too. Mm -hmm. I mean, think back to it. When Lou Holtz left the Notre Dame job, Bob Davey was in his like 42 years old. So a few years older than, um, than Freeman is in this position, but still relatively young based on what the position was. 
was the one of the biggest named defensive coordinators in all of college football. Before that, he had led Texas A&M to, to near national titles, runs at national titles in the early 90s before he was working on Lou Holtz's staff at Notre Dame, was said to be this great recruiter, this great relationship builder. And he got in this position, and it was from day one, you saw the program take this incredible slide. And it really didn't recover for the next 14, 15 years until Kelly was hired. Um, not with any consistency, regularity, um, anyway. So I, I, that was my one concern. But I look at this staff, and I can sit here and knock things Brian Kelly did do or didn't do. One of the things he did is he hired a tremendous coaching staff. And this is from top to bottom. Offensive coordinator Tommy Reese, mm -hmm. who he wanted to bring with him like all hell to LSU. Uh, rumors, reports, things that I have heard somewhere between two hundred and fifty to four hundred thousand dollars more than what Notre Dame was offering is what was what Kelly was offering to Reese to come with him to LSU. And if people hadn't seen it, Reese goes essentially a Wolf of Wall Street, walks into the team meeting the <laughs> other day, and pretty much says, "I'm bleeping back to the team. I can't answer any of your questions, but I'm back. We can win a national championship here." And I think that was the one domino that needed to fall when he did that. Um, Matt Bayless is the strength and conditioning coach. And if you're kind of just a fringe college football fan, just based off of rules, you can't understate how important a strength and conditioning coach is because all of the rules that are put in place of when you can actually meet with your coaches, whether it's position coaches, head coaches, coordinators, whatever it is, the only one that you can meet with the majority of the time, the only one you see on a damn near regular basis is your strength and conditioning coach. And I don't think it's any, I don't think it's a coincidence that after Notre Dame struggles in 2016 and that position was fired from Brian Kelly's, the guy that stood up at his wedding to be Matt Bayless. Um, I don't think it's a coincidence that Notre Dame's lost two games in November since that change has been made. And I think that was a huge hiring and you just start to see this all kind of come together. And I still think that they probably need to kind of search out there like Nick Saban does at Alabama, where there's almost always a former head coach on his staff. I think that's something you're going to see this, that, that, that comes of this, but this be based on the assistant coaches that are around him, the strength of, of all of those, this is a lot better situation that Freeman walks into and makes himself a lot more likely to have success than I think Davey did uh, 25, 24, 25 years ago now. That's interesting. Bringing in a coach with experience, I always think about that in, in sort of all sports. You know, when you have a young guy who's never been a head coach before, it's nice to have that guy who's done it before next to you to help with some of the administrative stuff that a coordinator wouldn't typically have to deal with. The flip side, though, for me is you've got someone there who is a very easy replacement if things go poorly. And those guys are also pretty quick to leave. Um, anyone in particular that Notre Dame could be eyeing in that specific role? And, and what would there, would it be like an associate head coach sort of a title? How would Notre Dame go about naming that and, and assigning uh, duties to that experienced college football coach? Yeah, they have. And I, like when I say that, I'm not necessarily saying like, oh my God, you have to go hire yeah. Bill O'Brien used to coach at Penn State. You got to go hire Bill O'Brien. Like they've had a couple of guys on staff, some that have not been announced or it hasn't come out that they're returning, which obviously you have as many as this team has had, this program has had come out in the last couple of days and they have returning, can't wait to come back, can't wait to come back. And when that 
the ones that aren't are the ones that stick out at this point. Um, Brian Polian, if that name sounds familiar, he's the son of Bill Polian, the guy that pretty much built the Buffalo Bills of the early 90s and then the Indianapolis Colts when they won the Super Bowl over the Bears. Um, he's there, his son. He has head coaching experience, albeit only four years or three or four years at Nevada um, in 2012 through 2014 or 15, I believe it was, where he coached there. So he has a little bit of head coaching experience there. Um, Jeff Quinn, offensive line coach that was scrutinized largely this year because, well, he was dealt a, a hand. When you lose four guys to the pros, guess what? Your line's going to take a hit. Yeah. Um, he has coaching experience where he's a head coach for, I think, four years at the University of Buffalo, also served as an interim coach um, when Kelly had left central Michigan for Cincinnati. So he has some experience there. So it's somebody like that. Do they, do they retain one of those guys? I mean, there's word that Polian is trying to get his name in the ring for the Louisiana opening, not the LSU Jeff, the actual university of Louisiana opening. So that's something to kind of keep an eye on there. I, I, one that sticks out to me, I don't know if he just wants to retire and ride off into the sunset, but I think just a, a guy that's just been around football success, forever that became available just a few days ago i kicked the tires on him see if he has any interest in it not not, not saying i've heard anything or anything linked to it but david cutcliffe from duke i mean his ties to old quarterbacks peyton manning and and anything else there i think that would just be an interesting one of like there's a guy that has seen a ton at the pro level at the collegiate level has had a ton of success obviously has a has a nose in offenses and can give some guidance, if not anything else, like maybe that's something that you explore just a little bit. But I think that also with it, that Marcus Freeman's trying to trying to get some of his old gang from his Ohio state days uh, back together as two to, to help with things as possibly maybe make a surprise higher in, in one of those positions there too. Well, the college football playoff uh, will be announced very, very soon here. Notre Dame currently sixth, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cincinnati, who is Notre Dame's only loss, uh, is sort of, they probably, I think they deserve it. They've beaten everybody they've played, including Notre Dame. But there's some thoughts of like, well, they don't really play anyone that difficult. Does this move of Kelly leaving, Freeman taking over, Notre Dame having a little bit of, um, I don't know, I guess you'd say juice. Their Q rating is up a little bit right now. Does that increase their chances, in your opinion, of getting into the playoff? Because this is a decision made by humans, not by computers, and they might be looking at hmm, Notre Dame with a new head coach with a chip on their shoulder. That could be really great for ratings. Does this change their chances of getting into the college football playoff, in your opinion? I mean, if the, if the college football playoff committee, if they were dumb enough to come out previously and say that Kelly leaving should have an impact on it, then why shouldn't this have an impact on it? You flat out said that, okay, well, you're going to hold it against the team. If that's the case, then why would you not give credit to the team for, for, for something positive with that? I think it's outrageous either way mm-hmm. that that's brought into account. Like, show me your resume, show me what you've done, and I'll decide if you're one of the four best teams. I don't have to deal with the coach leaving or not. Like, I think it should be a wash either way. Neither of them brought into consideration. If Notre Dame had an interim coach going into this, I think that it should have been looked at the same way. But if they were, and the college football playoff committee came out and said that it would be, yeah, we'll take that into consideration. All right, then you take this into consideration too. Yeah. It seems like uh, things should be okay. So it, I don't know how much it helps them, but it certainly, I think it erases any of that, that hurt that they were given um, just a few days back. All right, so let's talk as fans real quick because I know okay. most people who are li- going to listen to this are fans. Sure. I was never a giant Brian Kelly fan. 
uh, from day one struck me as a phony. There was the scaffold incident. There was the Prince Shembo situation and just a series of things just rubbed me the wrong way from Brian Kelly. However, winning his coach in school history, got Notre Dame into the college football play- playoff several times. I'm asking myself if Brian Kelly can't get Notre Dame to win a national championship. Will Marcus Freeman be able to do that? And what has been, I guess, where did Kelly come up short that that made Notre Dame just not good enough to get over the hump to beat Alabama, Clemson, those powerhouses in the SEC and elsewhere? What what is what is Notre Dame missing that that prevents them from winning a national championship? I think you look at it, and it goes back to one of the biggest selling points of Marcus Freeman. Brian Kelly was a good recruiter. I think that you mentioned that earlier. He was a good recruiter. I, you look at their class rankings, for the most part, they rank in the top 10, okay, occasionally 10 to 15 range, and turns that talent into good enough to, to make the college football playoff. But you saw that oftentimes if it was one injury or one player goes out, the depth of Notre Dame just was not there. And like Julian Love goes out against Clemson in that college football playoff game a few years back in the second, he goes off the field. It's like, okay, well now, now Clemson's throwing the ball over all over the yard because it's just the depth, maybe one through like 35, 40 on the roster, Notre Dame could compete with Clemson. But when you start to get into the second, third string guys that have to come in by the end of the year, yeah, you're overmatched and that's where you're exploited. Um, I think that Marcus Freeman, the biggest thing that he does is he gets you in the conversations with more five-star guys, with, with more of those absolute can't miss type prospects that you normally wouldn't be in consideration for it. That's where these, the, the communications and just these people skills that Freeman has that I don't think Brian Kelly has whatsoever. Yeah. Um, I think that that's where it really, really takes over. And I, I think a lot of it is part of the youth of Marcus Freeman too. A lot easier to kind of hop on a plane and go fly cross country and be sitting in the living rooms and high schools of, of 16 year olds and 17 year olds on a regular basis when you're 35, than it is probably when you're 60 or 59 knocking on sixties door probably uh, makes it a lot more, a lot easier to do that. And just kind of, you look around a lot of this staff, such a young staff, Tommy Reese is 29 years old. He's taking pictures the other day out recruiting and, and jumping on the plane, going, going cross country to try to get in these kids, houses and see them at high schools because the early signing period here starts in two weeks and it's so vital and so important to it. I think that's where the difference is. I, I think that it really is. I think that Brian Kelly, for the way he handled things and the way he worked things, he got Notre Dame about as far as he's going to. That's not to say that Mark Freeman's a guarantee to get it further or get it better. Obviously, I think there's risk involved. I mean, you have a first-time head coach. It could go the way of Ryan Day at Ohio State, Lincoln Riley at, o- at Oklahoma, um, Kirby Smart at Georgia. Those are all guys that took their first job in the positions that, that, that they are well besides Lincoln Riley bolting for USC now, but had great success where they had their first jobs. Or it could go south. Kind of, We talked about the Dave, Bob Davey part a little bit. I don't think it would be anything near that bad, but it could be, hey, well, there is this kind of CEO part of having to manage things as a head coach. You don't have to manage on a daily basis when you're a defensive coordinator um, that Freeman is faced with. And so it could go either way with that. But I think like the risk reward here, your reward for hiring what you hired in Freeman, I think, I think the ceiling is higher with him than say you had you going after like Luke Fickle. I think Luke Fickle would have been a lot more in line with like 
the peak being probably like what what Kelly was here at ND. All right, Nick Shepkowski, managing editor of Fighting Irish Wire, part of the USA Today Network. Thanks for joining me here on the WBBM In-Depth Podcast. Appreciate your time. Thank you for the invite. Had a lot of fun. Good to see you, Jay. Thanks for listening to this episode of WBBM In-Depth. Make sure you subscribe on the Odyssey app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Jay Zawoski. Remember, you can catch every Notre Dame football game on News Radio WBBM. A News Radio WBBM podcast powered by Odyssey. T Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.